Welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. These are talks and conversations about the centrality of Jesus and his kingdom from our community. Enjoy. All right. This is our uh, third week in Consider It Pure Joy. It's actually our last week uh, that we'll be talking about this. And um, as it would be, you know, Micah prepared our liturgy and picked out this video, and <clears throat> I hadn't seen it yet, but uh, it picks up right, where, or leaves off right where I want to pick up. Uh, the tendency to focus on self robs us from the joy that is abundant all around us, and we'll be talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, that today, and I would add that our focus <clears throat> on the fears of the world, that robs us as well. How many of you felt your joy leave you a little bit this week at some moment or time? What, what robbed you of that? Is there a circumstance? Was it a news headline? Tragedy? All of the above. Yeah. I... I found out yesterday, you know, and we could fact check this probably, but there are now more adults in diapers than babies in our world. We're living longer, so there's some good news in that. But there's, a, there's something in that that kind of went, ooh, I don't know if I like that. So... <laughs> Whatever it is uh, that's getting access to your source of joy, maybe we need some wisdom and discernment. Maybe we need some rails, some, some holy filters. And I'm not just talking about like having this pretend world we live in. I mean that we are giving the enemy access to something that God should only get access to. Jesus comes and teaches us over and over again about joy. and I want to come back to him as we started with him. <clears throat> in John 15, 9 through 11, you can turn there. It says, as the Father has loved me, okay, so I have loved you. Notice the pattern. Now, remain in my love. Abide in it. Remain in it. Stay in it. <clears throat> Don't let that thing over there take you from it. Our participation here is to remain in what God has dispensed into us, what he offers in his presence and personhood. We must remain in that. That's an effort. It's a conscious decision. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Again, notice the pattern. Jesus is asking us to do what He Himself is doing with the Father. He's not saying, hey, go... 
you know, do what I say, but not what I do. No, he's doing the thing that he's saying to do. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my, that's Jesus, joy may be in you. Jesus is distilling a joy in you, and I'm inviting you to protect that. Why would you let somebody get access to what Jesus has given you? Don't do that to yourself. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And again, notice the pattern. That as Christ distills in us through his presence and as we remain in his love, in presence with God, keeping his commands, we ourselves are not only receiving Christ's joy, but Christ's joy is creating in us a joy that is ours. And so, if we follow the pattern, what would we then do with that joy that's in us that Jesus did with the joy that was in him? Share it. Now, we love to share our sorrows, and we love to share our frustrations, and we love to share our complaints. I don't see Jesus do that ever, not once. Now, we share in his sufferings because we remain in his love. But there's a distinction here. The pattern of the world and the pattern of Christ are different from one another. And as a result, we are increasingly different from the world around us. And it is not so that we would be judges of the world. It's so that we would be dispensers of joy in a world of darkness. Shoot, I just preached my whole sermon. <laughs> Skipped ahead to the end. Okay. The gift of following Jesus is joy. We can claim it because Jesus loves us and offers it to us. That's the heart of this series. You can claim it. It's yours. And it starts as his. But as we mingle and remain in it, it becomes our very own. We have a reservoir cultivating in us of tangible, real-life joy. Jesus gives us joy as we follow him. And now there's the, there's the challenge and the opportunity. Picking up our cross and following Jesus brings joy. It brings joy. Now, I think, though, what first comes to mind when we think about picking up our cross is probably not joy. But it is precisely the way. And we say, well, yeah, but that's painful or that's hard. Well, again, the pattern. Jesus goes on to say, and John, <clears throat> verse 
Ross, is John, excuse me, verse 20 and 21 in there? It's not. Okay, if you guys will turn with me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Now, sorry about not getting it up here for you, but that's okay. We're learning to, you know, use our Bibles again. Uh, Jesus is telling us, counterintuitive to our natural inclination here, is that joy in the kingdom of God is not where we begin, it's where we end. Okay? We may weep and mourn, that's real. Jesus doesn't come to deliver us from any kind of pain or suffering. That's not what he says. But he says that we will find joy in the midst of it. And through it, we will receive it. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Just like a woman giving birth to a child. How many of you have witnessed that with your eyes? It looks painful. Amen. Like when Jesus decides to think, hmm, what will life be like for my followers? He points to a woman giving birth. And he says, it's going to be like that. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really tough. But it will turn to joy. He doesn't say it won't be difficult or hard. It is hard. Life is hard. But even though life is hard, you do not have to lose your joy. So here's my question. Is it harder for us to have joy than it is for us to suffer? Is it easier for you to complain or celebrate? I think joy is harder for us for some reason. I think we struggle to enter into the thing that is given to us, not the thing that we earn. It is harder for us to experience joy than it is for us to suffer. Think about it. We complain. We walk around keeping a straight face at all times. Some of us with serious expertise. We have things to do. Don't get in our way. Nobody says, oh, look, here comes old joy again. Why is that? Why is that? Henry Nouwen says this, and I thought this was interesting. He says, even our language 
for suffering is more elaborate than our language for joy. There's a resistance to joy. And, and there's something in us that's tempted to choose alternatives than the best. To stay safe. It's the same part of us, by the way, that resists Jesus. The one who came to give life, and that life is joy. We, if we think about it, we get sort of stuck in these patterns of sorrow. Giving up. Doom and gloom. We allow fear, a first-time fear, to become normalized. We let it teach us and train us, reduce us and shrink us. We live in these shadows. So much that we begin to even avoid looking at ourselves in the mirror. Or letting others look us in the eyes. We start to avoid contact, voice. And when the best of fear gets a hold of us, we lose presence of other people altogether. We avoid pain and suffering. Even though, even though our suffering will turn to joy. It doesn't say, avoid suffering and you will find joy. It doesn't say that. Jesus does not say that. Because that would be a lie. But it's a lie that we're listening to somewhere. The voice that says that is real. It's just not God's voice. Barbara Holmes, a poet, she writes, Joy unspeakable erupts when you least expect it, when the burdens are the greatest. Joy unspeakable erupts when hope is gone. It erupts after bullets fly. It rises on the crest of impossibilities. It sways to the rhythm of steadfast hearts, enduring hearts, and it celebrates what it cannot see. She's a poet. <clears throat> Poets speak. Joy comes in the morning. Have you noticed, though, how much we live at night? How much we live in the world of I and me? What keeps you up at night, by the way? We are not living in the world of God, neighbor, and self. We get trapped mostly just living in the self, period. So hear me, I'm not talking about just being selfish, although there's some of us that are that way too. A lot of us. And that could apply. I'm talking about that the life that is void of joy, 
seems to directly correspond to the life that is void of others and void of God. <clears throat> and it's, it's the world of the, the, the isolation that we read about in the Gospels that also is actually not a world where you're alone, it's a world where you're haunted and possessed. You're chained to darkness. The thought of joy is, is, is something you would want no part of in that, in that world. You'd prefer the company of demons over the inbreaking presence of allowing yourself to be accepted by others, loved by God, embraced by a child. And we can see it in ourselves, right? I know my feelings, I know my hurts, I know my sorrows. I struggle to delight in the joy of others. I see and hear the joy of others and I only think, why not me? My kids come to ask me to play, but I can't. God sends the children to us for that. We're this way in our work. Yeah. For some reason, we, we get inward focused. We sit under the weight of insecurity, self-loathing, hyper-focus. We struggle to escape our thoughts. We, like, have you heard the narratives, the patterns that you rehearse every day? That you keep telling yourself about the thing, whatever the thing is? Long-standing lies that hold us. Long-standing lies about you that hold you. Things that keep us from joy. So, if you have children, do you ask your child how they see you? Ask your kid what they think of you. And then ask yourself, do I believe it? Ask your friends. Ask your community. Ask Jesus. One of his favorite, like if you struggle in prayer, I don't hear God, I don't hear God. Well, probably because you're just actually having thoughts about your own suffering more than you're actually talking to Jesus about what he thinks of you. And I, I, that sounds harsh, but here's what my point. Jesus speaks in prayer frequently, often, loudly, and clearly. But what he says and loves to say, we don't like to hear. It's that, I love you. You are my beloved child. Stop living in the dark. I'm just, I'm just describing a life without joy. But Jesus says, remain in me. But we know that already. We know that, but we ignore it. But guys, Jesus remains in the Father even to the point of death. So that your joy may be complete. Jesus is willing to enter into the suffering. Now, this is what I'm saying. 
joyful people are not disconnected from sorrow. That would be an illusion. It's the opposite, actually. Joy is uniquely tied to entering into the suffering and pain of others. Service is the doorway to joy. That's the pattern that Jesus models. Interesting that the discipline that creates the grace required for joy to get in is the discipline that removes you from yourself, takes you out of the shadow, and puts you in the shadows of your neighbors and your enemies. It takes you into the suffering and pain of the world as an agent of reconciliation and love and goodness. Turn your damn light on and get in there. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. And he is our light and he is our way and he is our truth. And we can think it all day, but if we don't believe it, and what I mean when I say believe it is act as if it's so. Yes. We, we won't, we, we just, we're going to miss it. We're, that's remaining in Jesus. That's the obedience he's talking about. And by the way, obedience translates in the Latin to careful, full body listening. Isn't that crazy? Obedience is listening at your depth of depths to the person and presence of God in your life. That's obedience. That's, excuse me, careful obedience. It's careful listening. And it makes sense because Jesus is always connected to the source of joy. He's always listening to the Father. And he's always postured towards you and I. He's receiving it and hearing it, and he's giving it. Jesus lived in service to others. I mean, what do you say? Think about it. It's better to give than to receive. And guys, I'm not talking about hitting the service checkbox on the Connect card, although you should do that. I'm talking about choosing to live a day-in, day-out life of service to the world and to others, that that is what you do. That's who you are. You've been longing for that your whole life, by the way. You've been wanting to see the world be a better place. You've been longing to start that thing, whatever it is. God's been inviting you your whole life into service to others. But what's weird in our world is that we look at the service industry as inferior but Jesus looks at it and he goes this is what I've come to do I didn't come to save the lost or excuse me to save the found but the lost he, he came to serve he came to serve we are leaving our comforts behind for those in need of comforting and it is painful, but it bears kingdom joy. We reject the domain of self in exchange for the display of God in the midst of brokenness. And when we do that, guys, it kills the ego that keeps us from joy. But see, see, so many of us, when we serve, we serve with our egos on. And it's 
not good. It's not good for us. It's not, you have your reward if you do that. Your reward will be praise from others. But we're not, that, that won't fulfill you. It will never, never give touch joy. Joy is the emptying. It's the cruciform cross. Jesus labors to show it. Jesus redefines greatness, guys, with a towel and a water basin. That's the icon of joy. It's the service towel. It's washing the feet of the disciples and others. In Luke 22, verse 24 through 27, we read this. Um, they're in an ego battle, okay, about greatness. Stop chasing greatness, y'all. All right, so a dispute arose among them. Most disputes tie back to this issue, by the way. Who's right and who's wrong, huh? Who's, who's the best? Who's got it figured out? Okay, so it arose among them. It was, I can't read that screen. My eye's not working. Okay, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. I bet if, if you were Jesus in that moment, you'd be like, yes, now we're talking. And Jesus said to them, the kings, okay, guys, the kings of the Gentile, they lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you, you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who is at the table. But I am among you. Jesus is with you as one who serves. You want to sit with Jesus? Serve. That's, that's where real greatness, goodness, beauty, truth, and joy of the kingdom are abundant in that place. Guys, we're, we're like well into the 21st century. And it's our responsibility as followers of Jesus to start living this out. Like, we, we our human history's rocky. Let's usher in the kingdom while we're alive. Let's, let's do that. Service, the way of life, by remaining in Jesus. Letting that joy cultivate and giving it away to others. You see somebody lonely? Go make friends. You see someone hungry? Make a meal. You see someone hurting? Comfort them. We see someone dirty? We, we, we do their laundry. We live in service to the needs of others, not in slavery to self, but in freedom. In Christ, this is our invitation to consider it pure joy. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to claim this.
in our real life, not just in our minds, but in our whole being. Help us to unlock that part of us that longs to be here with you, Christ. Let that help inspire that person and bring it out, God. Help us to put to death the old and usher in the new. Even today, God, Christ, I pray that as we go into worship, that each of us in the room would make an offering to you, that we would surrender that old self, and we would invite your joy and your presence to take hold of us deep within so that we might be free to live a life of service to our brothers and sisters all around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.